It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. Lisa Brady. There's a growing conversation in America about changing prostitution laws, with Maine set to become the first state where engaging in prostitution will no longer be a crime. But it's partial decriminalization, still illegal to buy sex or to be a pimp. The goal is to help protect exploited people, including sex trafficking victims, while holding abusers accountable. But in some states, there's an effort to fully decriminalize, and some trafficking survivors are opposed to that, arguing it could make exploitation easier and that prostitution should be viewed as oppression, not a choice. In New York, Democratic State Senator Julia Salazar introduced the Stop Violence in the Sex Trades Act. Supporters say prostitution involving minors, coercion or trafficking would still be illegal, but transactions between consenting adults would no longer be criminal, spurring debate about whether it would decrease or increase trafficking and whether any change should be made in a state where prostitution-related arrests have dropped under previous revisions to existing laws. We spoke with two guests, New York Republican State Senator Anthony Palumbo and Eleanor Gayaton, Vice President and Director of Public Policy for the nonprofit National Center on Sexual Exploitation. We made some edits for time and thought you might like to hear the whole thing. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the weekday Fox News Rundown podcast. Now here's New York Republican State Senator Anthony Palumbo on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Okay, so um, I read that there are two bills proposed in New York State dealing with prostitution. They seem to point to a larger debate over decriminalizing versus legalization. Um, One bill has reached the Codes Committee, where you serve as the ranking member, which one is that, and, and what would it do? Sure. I believe Julia Salazar's is the one in code. So th- there are basically two um, different models, and the Salazar bill is the really expansive one um, that would essentially decriminalize all of the players in a, in a prostitution network. Um, and then Liz Kruger has one. I think that's similar to the one that was passed in the state of Maine. That one is more... Um, really just for the the prostitutes themselves. So it would legalize prostitution, not necessarily make it legal for the Johns or um, or decriminalize or legalize, you know, the, the pimps and trafficking and so forth. Um, so the, the one that that Julia Salazar has is really one that's that's quite problematic in my mind. Um, I was an assistant district attorney for many years. I handled rapes, robberies, homicides. Um, and as a younger prosecutor dealing with prostitution cases, uh, th- there are a lot of additional crimes that are a result of the prostitution trade. Um, and really, we would just use the statute more so to just get people services. There's a huge drug culture in prostitution. There are a lot of mental health issues in prostitution. So, um and, and the numbers, we debated these bills a few years. I've been in the Senate for three years. I was in the Assembly for seven prior to that. And I've been on codes and the Judiciary Committee. I've been the ranker. I'm the ranker on both of those committees in the Senate. 
um, because of my background. And so I've always been debating the criminal justice bills over the years. And um, as far as these bills are concerned, um, there's a huge criminal element that ultimately comes along with it. But, you know, in, uh, in 2020, NYPD, which was, of course, the year of the pandemic, but the NYPD, which keeps very significant and accurate stats, made zero arrests for loitering for the purposes of prostitution. Um, because a lot of times those they would interact with someone who may be violating that statute and they would just get them to the services they need. Um, you know, maybe a drug clinic, mental health clinic of some kind. So really law enforcement has been, at least in New York, where I've had my experience, has been engaging in uh, really helping these the, the so-called victims, um, if you want to call them that, although many of them are, and I shouldn't say so-called, because many of them are victims themselves, if not most of them. Um, in that community. So, uh, and this being the prostitutes themselves, obviously those folks that are um, that are trafficking or engaged in the on the business end, more so upstream, um, they aren't victims, in my opinion. So, I think that this does open a significant can of worms, and uh, I'm quite concerned if the Salazar bill were to become law. I think that, um, as many studies have indicated, tra the trafficking will increase. Um, violence will increase. It will just be a, a terrible thing for public safety. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. In Maine, I know supporters of the new law there um, said, you know, they wanted to end the criminalization of survivors while holding perpetrators accountable. So, and it seems like that's something that has broad support as a bottom line, if you will. But, but I guess how to do that is really um, becomes the question, right? Well, exactly. And that's, and that's like most government policies, you know, they sound great in a vacuum, um, but when they're ultimately implemented, there are a lot of unintended consequences. And in 2012, there was a study in Europe regarding whether legalizing prostitution would increase on the scale versus substitution. Those are the two schools of thought, that if there's more of it available, there'll be less trafficking because legalized prostitution uh, will substitute those, those individuals who are... Um, uh, who are looking for services or looking to basically, you know, rape and uh, sexually assault children. So that's the dynamic. But that that study revealed that it was ex overwhelmingly um, trafficking increased with legalized prostitution because those people who are looking for those sorts of things will will gravitate toward a legal community, and. Even then, the victims are less likely, because it's a business, they're less likely to report to police or cooperate with police or even run away because the people who are running those businesses are threatening them. They're threatening their family. Some of their families are in other countries. So we get that um, everyone would agree that these victims need their services, that this is a terrible, dangerous industry, and we want to do what we can to keep those people safe and reduce trafficking and prosecute the bad guys. Um, but with all of that in mind, 
I, I just don't think that the, the intent is there. I just don't think that that's going to be accomplished. And that's really my concern, even with the main model, which is the one where they simply, and I believe that that bill enhanced penalties um, for people upstream, um, you know, being the, the, the traffickers as well as the pimps and so forth, that, that's still illegal. And in fact, some of those sentences enhanced on that end. But I just believe that legalizing it in general um, it's not always two consenting adults. That It just almost expands the industry. And in accordance with that 212 study, um, sadly, it has increased trafficking. So that's really the, um, the, the dynamic that's at play. And I'm sure their hearts are in the right place to do the right thing for these folks. And look, my dad was a homicide detective. I grew up in a law enforcement family. I was in law enforcement myself. Everyone thinks that all they want to do is just hammer people and send them all to jail. And that's not the case. Um, the key to a civilized society, in my opinion, is making sure that people are rehabilitated, that they're getting services they need, and that crime stops. It's not that you want crime to continue so you, you can continue to send people to jail. So we're all on that same page. I just think the manner in which it's trying to be accomplished is always uh, never an easy fix. How would what's on the table right now, even the bill that's less expansive in New York, if you will, how would it change in practical terms what happens on the ground for, for police and prosecutors? That's a great question. Um, and from having been involved in the prosecution side and in the, on the law enforcement side, I don't think it will change much. And that is my concern and what I've always brought to the sponsor's attention is that this is already, this is already done. That I understand people in politics, you want to have a splashy press conference and say, we're making you all safe and we're protecting the victims, um, particularly now because it's, there seems to be a big divide when it comes to public safety between the parties, the two major parties. And I just don't think that uh, the reality of it is that if you need, if, if they would bring in the stakeholders, bring in law enforcement, bring in prosecutors and have them sit at the table and have this discussion, they'll realize that in New York, prostitution is a class B misdemeanor, the lowest offense above a parking ticket. There's a violation is the only thing you can get that's lower. And as far as prostitution is concerned, as I said, they, the prostitutes are, are very, very, very rarely even prosecuted at all. And as I said, on, as far as the loitering for the purposes of prostitution, that was the debate we had on the the walking while trans bill, as many of the progressives characterized it. In 2020, that was the specific statute. There were zero arrests, let alone the millions of interactions that the you know, 30, 40,000 uh, New York police department officers had, the interactions they had with the public. They made zero arrests. And then, and then the year before that, they made 43, as I mentioned earlier. So um, this is not something that is widely prosecuted. In fact, it almost never is. So to decriminalize it and just legalize it as a whole, I feel like the balance is in a, at a position that um, it's probably less beneficial um, than they think. New York is one of a handful of states that repealed its loitering law when it's related to prostitution, right? I, I mean, but state figures show there was a big drop in New York in prostitution-related arrests for about the last decade or so, not just since that repeal. Um, so 
how did that happen and who's benefited from that? Well, that's the point. I think politicians benefited from that because they can have a splashy press conference and and uh, virtue signal to the groups that they want a virtue signal to and say that we're with you, we support you, we're doing the right thing for you because it's outrageous that you would get arrested simply because you're you're transvestite, um, you know, or, you're or whatever member of what community, and and I think that it was more or less um, a political ploy than than really for the purposes of making everyone safer and reducing those numbers. Because as you say, you're absolutely right, that these these um, services became more of a priority in recent years through law enforcement. And they realized it, that you can arrest a prostitute on a low-level crime, charge them, process them. They'll be there tomorrow night. You can arrest them again and continue to just proceed along that road. Or you can do what you can to get these folks out of that vicious cycle. And that's really where law enforcement has gone in recent years, which is the right thing to do. And, you know, unfortunately, lagging behind are uh, public officials who uh, can, of course, try and garner some votes by doing things like that. So and, and that's again, that's something that I just think was was more um, uh, was more for the purposes of a public statement than anything in a press release. Given that advocates say, you know, Many or even the majority of prostitutes are people who have been victimized or exploited. They are in a vicious cycle. Is there another way to help or any alternate version of these bills that might win broader support? Sure. And that's true. And I would agree with that. And in my experience, um, it is overwhelming the amount of really sad situations that many people in the in the sex trade um, have experienced. So. I do think that creating something, which we do have, a sex trafficking court. People don't realize that. I'm out in Suffolk County on Long Island. We have about 1.5 million people in this county. And people think it's this bucolic suburb. But for years, we have had a fully staffed, five-day-a-week sex trafficking court in Suffolk County. It's in most counties now. And that's the way to deal with it, is to provide the alternative means through the judicial process like a veterans diversion court. We have a drug court. We have diversion courts where folks can get services and help and medical help. And in return, you don't prosecute them. The case gets dismissed or greatly reduced. Um, on drug offenses, it's usually greatly reduced because obviously you're starting at a higher level. But um, that is the way to do it. In my view, that's the way. Having been in law enforcement, as I said, grown up in a law enforcement family, that the way to do it is you can actually use the statute the way we did when I was a prosecutor to get these people into court. Yes, they've been arrested and yes, they're in the system, but there is a carrot and stick there where you can say, look, you do the right thing, you get the help you need and the case goes away. And that actually was the benefit. And that's what's happening right now in the current process, at least downstate, because that's where I've uh, practiced, you know, my whole life, my whole careers and lived my whole career, my whole lifetime. So, you know, that, that's really, I think, the way that this could be best addressed is to not just make everything legal and open the doors and hope that law enforcement can have some interaction with the bad guys. Um, I think it's better to leave it somewhat status quo and just provide resources for the victims, for those that are victims, and for those that aren't. They need to be in the criminal justice system, unfortunately, and they need to be punished, and, the, and particularly those who are trafficking, they need to be punished severely.
New York Republican State Senator Anthony Palumbo, thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure, and thanks again for having me. Now, here's Eleanor Gaetan from the nonprofit National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Okay. Um, I know you've had experiments for many years now with the issue of human trafficking. So I'm wondering when it comes to prostitution, where do things stand in your view? Do states need to make changes? Yes, great question. So prostitution and sex trafficking are inherently linked. Everyone who's trafficked into the commercial sex trade is trafficked into prostitution. And so from the perspective of sex buyers, they have no idea if that person is experiencing coercion or not. And so we have to reform prostitution law in order to shrink and reduce sex trafficking. One of the arguments against a change to the status quo, in New York at least, is that there's already more of a focus on services, on helping people, um, including medical care, for those who are arrested. In other words, if you use these services, then the case against you can be dismissed. What about those efforts? Is there not enough of that? Does that not go far enough? We need to put the focus squarely on sex buyers. They cause all the harm. There's an interesting study in 2018 of women in prostitution, including trans women, found 61% had suffered traumatic brain injury. It's so violent. And that's one of the reasons why people buy sex is to have power over, to abuse, to choke, to harm. Look at the Gilgo Beach murders. That was an average guy. He actually is quite typical of, of high frequency sex buyers. He's professional, he's got a family, he's white. Uh, and look what he was doing, murdering people. And he chose people in prostitution because they are too little valued. We should note, um, still accused at this point and not convicted, uh, just for the record. Um, this can be kind of a fine line, though, right, between um, trying to focus on the prostitutes and perhaps decriminalizing prostitution for them while still being able to hold um, the people who solicit prostitutes and those who have control over them, while still being able to hold them accountable, it seems like legally kind of a fine line. I mean, how how can that even be possible? No, it's not a fine line. It's called primary prevention. It's the only way to prevent harm is to shrink this market. And they are causing the harm. The buyers are causing the harm. And yet too often especially law enforcement will look the other way when they, while they're booking someone in prostitution, they'll be like, hey, get home, get in your car, get home. And they'll ignore the guy that's driving the entire market, that's fueling the entire business of sex trafficking. In Maine, they used what's being called the Nordic approach, becoming the first state to pass legislation partially decriminalizing prostitution. There are proposals in New York right now described as going further than that. Um, what about the argument from opponents of these proposals who say it will only lead to more trafficking and more victims? That's a lie. It's absolutely not true. And there's enough research that shows it's when you fully decriminalize the sex trade that you have an explosion in abuse. Berlin has 500 legal brothels in the city of Berlin alone. 
the vast majority of those women in those brothels are from Eastern Europe. They're from poor countries. They're poor people. They aren't German women. You expand the sex trade and you are expanding abuse. So if I'm hearing you right, you would favor partial decriminalization? Yeah. yeah. So here's what has to happen. And Maine looked at this for two years. And the main paradigm shift is a bipartisan decision. This is a citizen legislature. They, they meet for a few months and they're very considerate. They're also neighboring Canada. The partial decriminalization model is the legal regime in Canada. So it's, it's not a surprise that Maine is the first state to, to make this decision, um, but it was led by people who are from the domestic violence community and also see an analogy between, between domestic violence and the relationships that lead to coercion in the sex trade. How do you think this will work on the ground in Maine? And are you, you and other advocates, hopeful that once it takes effect in the fall and it starts to play out over time, that it will encourage other states to follow suit? Absolutely. A few things are key. First, police training, law enforcement training to focus on the buyers. Also, Lawyers, prosecutors all need to understand that there are new rules on sealing past criminal charges. So often people in prostitution pick up charges for crimes that they were that they committed under the coercion of a trafficker. And those can cripple you for life. You can not get co uh, college loans or be able to rent certain apartments or get certain jobs if you have those charges. So Maine also decided to make it easier to seal those records. We have to train lawyers in Maine and train police to implement this new paradigm effectively. In New York, there has been a steep decline in prostitution-related arrests over the past decade. New York's also one of the states that repealed a loitering law as it relates to prosecution more recently. Do you see those as positive developments? Only if you provide exit services to get people out of the life. Otherwise, you're trapping people in a really violent, horrible um, zone. And I don't think we've seen sufficient service provision exit ramps with regard to the commercial sex trade in New York. But look at Massachusetts. That might be a better state to look at. They're considering, they had a hearing on both options, full decriminalization and partial decriminalization. And scores of people came out, especially survivors, uh, speaking on behalf of partial decriminalization. I think we're, we'll see it probably sooner in Massachusetts than in New York. This is obviously a very, very sensitive topic for many people, including many advocates, um, especially when phrases like sex work are used um, or even or even commercial sex trade. Um, you know, what would you say to other advocates who maybe have differing views on the best way to go about this, on the best way to help people who are caught in a vicious cycle and all of this? I think Maine's solution is the right approach. There are certainly a small percentage of people in prostitution who are consenting adults. They should get an IRS category, pay their taxes and go on with life. I mean, we don't use the term sex work because pimps invented that term to normalize this really unattractive and very damaging, lifelong damages caused in the prostitution um, practice. What would your message be to state lawmakers in New York 
as they consider changes. Talk to survivors. Talk to exited people who have been in the sex trade and who have exited. Because while you're in the trade, you end up being a lobbyist for it. Eleanor Gayatan, Vice President and Director of Public Policy at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate you coming on. We'll talk to you again. Thanks so much. Take care. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Emily Campagno, and this is the Fox True Crime Podcast, bringing you closer to the story than you ever thought possible. Subscribe at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. These are the stories that keep you up at night. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.